Today's episode is sponsored in part by Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe alternative to heat lamps. It has no hot spots, develops a uniform heat pattern, and even comes with a three-year warranty. Sweeter Heater is designed to warm the animal, not the environment, and is fully adjustable to maintain the ideal comfort level for your animals. The Sweeter Heater's soft, safe, and gentle infrared radiant heat has been tested and proven by customers since 1995. So go to sweeterheater.com and use code DRINKINFARM to get 15% off one or more heaters. That's sweeterheater.com with code DRINKINFARM, all lowercase. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking today? I opened a Weidman's Fine Beer Java Mama Cinnabon Coffee Blonde Ale. Ooh, that sounds like there's a lot going on there. There is a lot going on there. And it's a really delicious beer. I really enjoy this one. So if listeners can find it, I highly recommend it. It's a local Cincinnati beer. Nice. So what did you open over there? Today I am drinking a New Holland Brewing Company Watermelon Spritz. Mm. it feels summery which is what i need and it's just an ale with watermelon and seltzer so i feel like this is going to be a good garden beverage yeah it sounds like it would be our drink peep this episode is our friend natalie quist and she is at cloud lover fiber over on the instagram so cheers lady Cheers. So let's talk about cohabitating. Yes. And thank you so much to at SoFlowHomeDesign on Instagram. We put out a call for uh, wondering what topics you guys wanted to hear us talk about. And she mentioned wanting to hear about cohabitating farm animals. So we are delivering that today. That's right. So we're going to go over my setup and Bev's setup and talk about what works really well about it, what doesn't work so well, or what we might need to change. And then we'll also dive into some research that we did to kind of back up what we were saying. So it's not just us spouting off our experiences, but like we actually went and did some research too. So go us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There are some like general guidelines for cohabitating animals um, that you can definitely apply on your own farm. So those will be like just, I guess, cohabitating best practices that you can take and go forward with. Yeah. So my setup right now that I'm going to focus the most on today is the goats, geese, and chickens with the cow very close by. I do have a separate set of chickens and ducks that free range together, but they don't live together. So I won't really cover that because it's pretty straightforward. Sometimes the ducks are kind of rude to the chickens, but nobody's gotten hurt so far. And we're going on year four. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, again, goats, I have goats, geese, and chickens all in the same pasture, all have separate sleeping quarters. And then we have the 
the cow um, that's in the same pasture, but it's divided by the fence line so they can see but not touch. So what's working well there? So it's very entertaining to see all of these really cute animals hanging out together, especially while you're doing chores. Say you're just filling up a pool and the hose doesn't want to just stay in the pool and it just keeps falling out. It happens to me more often than I like. Um, <laughs> it's a very, like, first world problem to have. You know, if you have to just kind of stand there and space out. Like, it's really cool to see everybody, like, being all kumbaya when they are. But on a more serious note, geese are actually really excellent lawnmowers. They keep the grass lower than the goats would. Goats like to browse, so they prefer things, like, at their eye line. Um, so they're not really passionate grazers, but they will, which moves to my next point. Having the goats and the cow really close together is going to be really useful for pasture rotation when I can add in a little more fencing. Goats and cows don't share parasites, so if a cow poops and a goat eats around it or vice versa, it's not a big deal. But like I said, goats prefer to browse, meaning they're going to eat with their heads up they like twigs, they like weeds, leaves, and they'll also eat clean grass, but the cows will graze, so that means they're they're more inclined to eat with their heads down. They don't care so much about the twigs and the leaves. It's not their favorite, and, but, but they keep the grass like really tidy and they'll trim it really close. Fancy's having a great time right now with the green grass coming back. She's so <laughs> happy and mobile. It's so nice to see after seeing her be kind of bored all winter, I think is the best way to describe it. So uh, that's been really cool. And it'll be nice when we expand our fencing, if the grass gets a little overgrown, or there's a lot of weeds in one of the pastures, the goats can do a first sweep, and then we can send the cow in. Um, so that'd be really neat. Also, what's really cool is the chickens like to hop the fence into the cow pasture. And I know that this will help with bug control and tick control in, you know, as the weather gets warmer. I've also seen them move around leftover hay that Fancy couldn't be bothered to eat. And they also do a great job of breaking up cow patties. So that's been really cool to see them jump over into that pasture, but not like jump out of the pasture entirely <laughs> and go hang out <laughs> with the other chickens. So kind of fun to watch that. So some cons are things that aren't going so well or that I'm thinking about changing. So the goats do like to drink out of the goose pools sometimes. And during the winter, when the snow was compacted, the geese would bathe in the goat water. Because <laughs> I think part of that too was we had a trough heater in the goat water, but not their pools and their pools would get changed daily. So yeah. it probably felt like a bit of a hot tub for them. So that meant that and I do this anyways, but we change out the water every single day to kind of work around that issue. Also, the chicken run, when we put it up, was a temporary solution, meaning it wasn't built to last. And the goats rub up on it. So it's a bit wonky now. Uh, so if you have chickens in a separate chicken coop in your pasture and you're going to have a larger animal, you definitely want to have a strong run. <laughs> Otherwise, your goats are going to try to crush it. Yeah. 
sometimes the geese like to go in the barn and lay in there, and that may scare the crap out of you at some point. <laughs> so <laughs> you I mean walk- lay their eggs, right? Yes, yes, lay their eggs in the barn. I should be more specific. Um, <laughs> and because there's so much excess hay that the goats have wasted in there, it makes a really nice nest. And uh, you might walk into your barn with a hose to fill up the goat water in the barn and be hissed at (laughs) very loudly when you're not expecting it, and it'll scare you. And then you're also at risk of potentially stepping on a really big goose egg when you're doing chores if you're trying to move too fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another thing, too, that I need to work through is sometimes fancy wants nothing to do with the goats so if you're new here fancy is my cow she's a highland hereford mix she has her horns we only have a top wire that's hot wire and the rest is four by four welded wire that's been stretched for the goats even if the goats are minding their business and just kind of like laying by the fence sometimes she gets a little salty about it and she'll poke her horns through the four by four welded wire oh my gosh and like yeah and poke the goats so i saw her do it to biscuit almost right in his eyeball oh <laughs> yeah so what would help there and to ensure the life of my fence is to add hot wire um in the middle and near the ground so that if she tries to do that she gets a little zap Or she's going to have to be very strategic with how she does it. Also, what will help with my fence, too, is the goats, you know, when it's this time of year, they're shedding their cashmere. They're a little itchier than usual. They rub on the fence, too. So adding that hot wire in will may deter some of that, too, which kind of stretches your fence out, and it's not great for it. Yeah. Lastly, my geese can be very rude to the goats. There's a lot of, quote-unquote, goosing. I've seen a goose grab on to one of my younger goats longer hair and the goat runs away and the goose hangs on and follows yeah it's really not nice so when i see that happen i go in and break it up (laughs) um and it doesn't happen a lot but it's not nice and i can tell it it doesn't you know it doesn't give you the warm fuzzies and i don't think the goats really appreciate it either so Say those are the things that I don't like so much with the mixing of the animals, but none of them are really the end of the world. Most of them are fixable problems. Well, and I am curious, like, does the convenience of being able to, like, care for everybody in one place, does that kind of outweigh the cons in this situation? Well, I think if that is the only area I had on the farm that I had to worry about, my answer would be yes. But because I have a couple of other areas on the property where animals hang out and have to be fed and watered, it wouldn't be that much of a stretch to, like, move the geese out of there or move the chickens. I mean, my little cute charming coop is in there, so that would be kind of a pain in the ass to get a (laughs) forklift and, like, try to move that. (laughs) Yeah. It is movable, though. It is on a pallet. (laughs) Yes. So, I think... I think just for the convenience factor of not having to rework everything, it'll all probably stay there. Two of my geese that are the rudest, they're probably going to go to the processor once they open back up at the end of the month because I don't need that many geese. Yeah. And they're crossbred. And one of them's male. And we already have a male. And he's already very 
aggressive. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see if they live another day. But yeah, sorry to anybody that doesn't like to hear that sort of thing. But that's the reality of what's most likely going to happen to them. And then they'll just feed our family. Yeah. And not harass my goats. Uh, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So what about you? What's your setup like? So I'm actually... I'm a big fan of my setup from a convenience factor, which is why I asked you that question. Mm. Cause like the way that I do my chores, I actually get to just like load up my arms for the donkeys, the cow and the goats and the ducks. And I only walk in one gate to take care of everybody, which is super convenient. So I like, I drop hay for the donkeys. I walk over and throw hay over the fence for the cow. And then I walk over to the goats area and there's a gate that separates the goats from the donkeys and that's where the goats and the ducks cohabitate together so then I get to feed the goats so that they're distracted and then I go take care of the gut the ducks because if I tried to take care of the ducks first the goats would be like all over my business while I was doing it like let us help you yeah yeah so that's why I do things in the order that I do them because like if I didn't feed the donkeys first they'd be harassing me the whole time Mm. I was walking over to feed the cow and like you know so on and so forth (laughs) that's funny yeah it's true that we kind of have to do that too like if we try to put the chickens in the our pasture area away with by bribing them with food the goats come and help and it's a disaster so totally get that a (laughs) hundred (laughs) percent so it requires like some strategy and what order you want to do things in um but I do really like the convenience because like I can do my morning and evening chores in eight minutes or less if I have to oh my god yeah like I've I've even timed it because my kids take care of the chicken coops so Mm -hmm. I usually just glance like I'll open a door and just yes they have water yes they have feed yes everybody looks healthy okay we're good but I take care of everybody else. And it's really nice to just be able to uh, like load everything up in one swift movement and then boom, boom, boom. And then I can leave. But if I have time to linger, obviously I would prefer to do that, but that's not always in the cards. <laughs> right. But I do keep the ducks um, and the goats together and they're on a pasture. And um, just like Sam set up, they pasture together, but they have different sleeping arrangements. So the goats have their goat shelter and the ducks have their duck house. And one of the things that I like about having them together is the ducks do a really great job of eating all of the bugs and the goats are here for it. Like they think it's the best thing ever. (laughs) Like right now, donkeys and cow are having fly issues, goats, none. Like, no issues mm-hmm. with bugs whatsoever. And I see the ducks, like, running around the grass in the pasture, just, like, snapping them up out of the air every time they see them. Aww. So I'm like, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. And the ducks also do a pretty good job of cleaning up feed after the goats because, like, the goats usually eat most of it. But towards the end, they always end up, like, getting a little feisty and then they dump their bowl over, which, like, you know, dumps some stuff all over the place. The ducks have no qualms about eating that and cleaning it up, which is nice. Because once it touches the ground, you know the goats aren't having it. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, one of them, what happens the other day? One of them walked through the bowl while I was trying to pour the feed into it. And they flipped it like mid-pour. And I was like, well, I guess you guys are eating off of the ground today. And I walked away. And they legit like just followed me. They were like, nope, you didn't feed us. 
you have to come back and feed us. And I'm like, no, 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 I, I fed you. You you knocked it over. It's right there. <laughs> like, it's just in the grass. There's, like, nothing wrong with it. It's not dirty. It's not, like, in a pile of poop. It's, like, right here. They're like, no, 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 it, it only goes in the bowl. <laughs> so I, like, I pushed the bowl over and I, like, kind of swept into the bowl and put it in there. And it was, like, it was new. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're a magician. Yeah, it was so weird. I was like, oh my gosh, goats are the weirdest things ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and because the duck's house is inside the goat pasture, it's like the goat's favorite mountain to climb oh, on. So of the course. goats have some entertainment. <laughs> it's kind of cool to see them up like lounging up on top of the duck house. It, it's kind of cute. They're going to ruin the shingles. I know that they are. Like I've watched, I've come to peace with that. <laughs> yeah. But it is kind of cool to, like, see them together. <laughs> so one of the, like, major cons of this setup is that uh, goats can't have duck feed. Mm. So I had to get, like, really creative with how to feed the ducks because I can't, I can't leave access to feed to the ducks all day. Because right. if I did that, the goats would just go in there and eat it. <laughs> right. Yes. So the way that I work around that is I only feed the ducks at night. So um, they have like just a little bowl inside their house. And what I do is I feed the goats and then I walk over to the duck house. I open the duck house door because I keep it locked and closed during the day because there's there's different areas to shelter in the pasture. So if they needed shelter during the day, they could find something. But I unlatch the door. I pour the feed in and then I prop the door open and the ducks will just like walk in because they know that there's dinner there. So they're motivated to go into their area at night. And then I lock the door behind them and that's where they stay safe at night. Um, so at nighttime, predators can't get them because they're just like chickens. They need um, they need protection from nighttime predators. And that's mm -hmm. a really good solution. And then in the morning, I go out there, I feed the goats, and then I just let the ducks out of their house. And then they go drink some water, eat some bugs, and then they pasture all day. They seem to be <laughs> fine. I was worried that they wouldn't do well just eating once a day. But it doesn't seem to bother them. And they always have food left over in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming that they're not starving to death. <laughs> Yeah, we do something similar with our geese, too, where they have, like, really long PVC piping-type feeders that have food in them for that last, you know, probably, like, four to five days. But as soon as I let them out in the morning, I shut their doors, and they don't go back in until nighttime. And I do think that's a really good motivator, too. And I feel better about doing that this time of year when it's spring and they can be out eating grass and bugs like your ducks because they know they're eating something but I did that with them all winter and they were just fine so I think sometimes it's more for us mentally <laughs> and I think we're told too like they always need access to food and water and you know as long as they're getting it at night yeah it's probably okay but every animal's a little different obviously and you know even during the winter time I feel like they still find something because like Aww. when the snow melts suddenly there's some worms around or Ooh, yeah. you know you'll get the occasional like other thing crawling around or I don't know does the grass stay green in Michigan during the winter <laughs> not really no <laughs> okay our grass stays green here which is crazy 
<laughs> yeah. No, it's not, like, terrible, but, like, it rained a lot yesterday, and Matt and I were outside, and we're, like, looking around, like, whoa, the grass is so green today. <laughs> because it just, it, like, catches your eye because it's actually, like, green and doesn't look dead anymore. Uh-huh. But, yeah, no, the geese can find, they'll find things during the winter, and our winter really wasn't this bad this year either. So, yeah, no, it's, I think it's a little different where, where you're at, but... It's not, like, completely gone and dead either. So I think at that point, like, the animals are just happy to see something that isn't snow. So they'll pick at it. That's true. <laughs> Fancy included. The The other thing about this setup that I don't necessarily care for is that ducks and water are just, like, a terrible combination for, like, Everyone, except everyone, for the yeah, like they exactly. Don't the water gets. <laughs> <laughs> they just like, and here's the worst part about ducks, and I and I don't mean to be like, you know, like being super negative about ducks. Duck I actually really love my ducks, but um, <laughs> I still have not like totally nailed down the water situation. <laughs> as soon as I do, though, I know I'm going to love it. But currently, we have a pool for the ducks which I flip and spray out and I refill for them every morning. And then I have a trough for the goats, which is supposed to just be the goat's water. But the ducks don't think that the pool is good enough. So they go and soil the pool. But then once that's done, they go and soil the goat trough, which like isn't really the right size for them anyways. I'm constantly finding ducks stuck in the goat trough because <laughs> it's too deep. So they'll like get in it and then yeah. they realize that they can't get out. So then they get waterlogged and then the poor things like sink to the bottom, but they're tall enough that like their heads stay out. So they don't drown thankfully, but they're just, you know, like sitting in there sad until I come out to do evening chores. <laughs> and then I'm like, duck, like seriously, like, you got stuck in the goat trough again. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, and then they're pooping in it all day. So then I got to like clean it out again. So what I've ended up doing because I just I can't flip that trough that often because it's too heavy. It's one of those like 40 gallon like oval troughs that's like metal. I've started bringing the goats several buckets of clean water that I just refill every morning and every night for them so that I know that they always have access to some clean water, even if it's not their trough because the ducks have soiled it. <laughs> so it's been kind of a pain lately. <laughs> Yeah. But we'll figure it out eventually, I know. Someday, what I'd like to do is move the ducks over to the area where we're going to put our pond in. But I'm going to wait until the pond goes in. That's something that we've been kind of working on over the last year or so. We're having trouble finding somebody to come and do it. (laughs) I guess, like, everybody's busy and has enough work, which is good. I'm happy about that. But I'd really love to have a pond this summer. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, as soon as that happens, that's where they'll move to Well, because their house drags. So we'll drag their house with a tractor and go put it over near the pond. And then they'll live in the pasture where the where the cow is at and have a big old pond because they three ducks can't soil a big old pond. So the cow will be fine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> at least I'm hoping they can. I have another combination on our farm, but they're pretty similar. And that's the cow and the two donkeys. But they aren't co-housed all the time the cow is primarily kept in the big pasture and then the donkeys have a smaller pasture and I do that because donkeys need less 
like grass and feed than the cow does. So if I left them together all the time in the big pasture, I would run the risk of overgrazing the donkeys, which mm. could cause like laminitis or they could end up colicking from like, you know, too much grass compaction in their throat and whatnot, which wouldn't be great. But I do put them together for at least a couple hours every day just because, you know, like the cow and the donkeys really love to play together. They're great friends. And they're diet is pretty similar you know like in composition it's grass and grass hay so Mm -hmm. you know easy enough i don't have to keep anybody from something which is convenient and they're also a similar size so their fencing and water troughs and hay bunks all work really well for everybody so i don't have to make any accommodations there and they both even use the same mineral i switched everybody to champion's choice uh, trace minerals and that's actually what i switched the goats to also so all three of my species that need minerals are all using the same one which would be really convenient if i can ever end up figuring out how to rotate all three together which is something i would like to do someday because like the cow and the goats use a pasture really well together it's the donkeys in that combination that can cause a little trouble because one of my donkeys really likes to pick goats up by the scraps of their neck (laughs) which is awful so that's another thing too (laughs) that you have to keep in mind is like is anybody going to bully anyone and one of my donkeys is kind of a bully to the goats so they have to stay separate But that combination has worked really well for now. One of the things I'd like to do in the future is I want to put a gate in the back of the small pasture so that I can more easily herd the donkeys in and out of it so that they can, you know, graze for shorter times and for just, you know, like a little easier. And if I left the gate open and drove the cow in, I can put the cow in the small pasture too with the donkeys. So he still got to have his friend time, but the donkeys weren't risking overgrazing. And also he could have some shelter because right now his pasture doesn't have any shelter in it. He shelters in like bushes and trees, which seems to work really well for him. He doesn't seem bothered by it, but I'd feel better if he had the option of going into a real one. I don't know if he'd ever actually walk into it or not. <laughs> he like <laughs> the farm that he came from, he didn't have a shelter. So oh. he like they just, you know, their cows are just always outside. So <laughs> he doesn't seem bothered by it, but I am. <laughs> And then the only other thing I'd say about this combination is that the cow does have horns. So sometimes he accidentally injures his friends, which is kind Mm. of a bummer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And sometimes the donkeys will bully the cow away from the hay because, you know, it's like two against one. So they play Uh. that kind of a game. Yeah. And also my cow isn't halter broke. So that whole you know, like moving him around isn't super easy. But if I put that gate in and I can drive him, that will make moving him around like to a smaller area just a little easier. But it is on my list to halt or break him one day. (laughs) Right. That's tough, though, when they have horns like that and they're not already halter broke like that is going to require a lot of patience because I'm in the same boat with Fancy. She's not halter broke and she does not like to be touched unless she like wants it and that's maybe like five percent of the time that i'm out there that she lets me like scratch her (laughs) without treats (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) yes so i don't i think she might be a bit of a lost cause for the level of patience that i could provide her but when and when we get another cow someday (laughs) 
and if they're a little more tolerant of my affection, it's definitely on my list because it would make things so much easier. Oh, yeah, for sure. Chick season is in full swing, and My Pet Chicken is an excellent place to get everything you need to be a successful chicken keeper. Not only do they have chicks, ducks, and goslings, they also have supplies, chicken coops, and all kinds of educational resources. And My Pet Chicken just brought back their three chick minimum. So if you just want a few more chickens, now is the time to order. Go to MyPetChicken.com slash farm to let them know that we sent you. We've been big fans of Grubbly Farms Grubblies before we even started this podcast. If your flock hasn't tried Grubblies yet, they are definitely missing out. Grubblies are a nourishing daily snack that chickens love. Grubblies are protein-packed, calcium-rich grubs that will give your flock the nutrients and minerals for healthier feathers and stronger eggshells. Not only are Grubblies healthy for your chicken, ducks, and geese, but they also do great things for our planet. Every harvest of grubs is safely and sustainably grown, recycling food waste that would otherwise end up in a landfill. So get more bang for your buck by going with Grubbly Farm Grubblies, the official poultry snack and feed sponsor of the Drink and Farm podcast. Head on over to grubblyfarms.com and use code FARM15 to get 15% off your first order and Grubblies always ship free. All right, so now it's time to hear what the internet thinks is the best combinations or are the best combinations for housing farm animals together. And for this section, we got some information from familyfarmlivestock.com. All right. So this article says that farm animals that can successfully be raised together are ruminants, such as cattle, sheep, goats, and poultry, or pigs and poultry, or mixed ruminants, or mixed poultry. So it's pretty decent-sized groups there. (laughs) Yeah, what they're kind of suggesting here is that the combinations that work best include animals that benefit from being close to each other, but don't directly compete with each other, like for food, because obviously pigs and poultry don't really compete. Same with like ruminants and poultry. So that totally makes sense. All right. So then they tell us, a few animals that should be kept separate. So that's hatchlings, like any baby poultry, nesting or setting birds, newborn smaller animals like lambs. You definitely don't want a baby lamb with a big old bull. Um, <laughs> yeah, baby goats would be included in that. Yes. <laughs> uh, broilers, so like the big meat chickens. Raising anything in tight spaces If you're mixing species like that, like it's probably better to have almost too much space so people can, or people, so the animals can, you know, go off on their own if they're feeling a little annoyed. You definitely want to keep an eye on to sharing water with messy drinkers like ducks. I would also put geese in this, in this (laughs) category because geese are just as bad as ducks. I feel like we were both called out here. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. They looked at our they looked at our lives and they were like, eh. <laughs> try again. Um, also, the last one is animals that share the same parasites. So, like I was saying at the beginning, like you can put goats and cows together because they don't share the same parasites. So, kumbaya, at least from that perspective. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and some things that you'll want to keep in mind if you're interested in raising multiple species together is that adding different breeds together is not like putting multiple species together when you're just adding different breeds this is competition for the same resources so like Basically, if you're just adding more chickens to your chicken flock or more goats to your goat flock, but of different breeds, then that's not putting together multiple species. So you're going to want to like keep in mind the rules for like how many feeders you need and how many waters and how much like housing space you need and whatnot, because basically you're just growing those herds or flocks. That's not multi-species raising. And you also want to make sure that your space is big enough for all of those animals because tight spaces increase the stress, which could increase bullying. And you want to keep an eye on whether or not all of the species that you have in one space are getting their different needs satisfied. So like if your new goats are happy but your chickens that you've added to the goat pasture have become nervous wrecks. Like maybe something's not right. So you might need to take a look at what you're doing for the chickens and kind of adjust and tweak from there because it might be possible that the chickens are stressed out because they're used to having access to their feed all day. And now you've had to only feed them at night and that's kind of freaking them out and making them, you know, like nervous. <laughs> so you might need to find a different alternative to make sure that they can have access to that feed, but that the goats don't get to it, for example. So the other thing to keep in mind with this too, is that new babies of any species will cause a disruption in groups that would otherwise have gotten along. So if you have, you know, goats and cows together and they normally do well, and then one of your does has a kid or three, you want to keep them separate until they're agile enough to keep up with mom so mom can guide them out of danger if something goes awry. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely. I mean, even with my goats, they're just like in a stall with mom for at least a couple of days before they start mingling just to make sure that everybody's going to stay safe. Yeah. And, you know, I was probably a little overly cautious about this. I think I kept them separate for like three weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I've, I've kept separate before for like eight. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, it all depends on your setup, too. And, and you definitely want to be comfortable. And it also probably like matters how often you can check on them or keep an eye on them, too. Better safe than sorry in those situations, I think. <laughs> yeah. Also keep in mind uh, special diets or nutritional needs and multi-species raising do not go well together. Keeping any animal with special needs or dietary or physical ailments out of a mixed group is probably the best bet. Also, you need to keep in mind too, like there are mineral requirements that are different between just even sheep and goats. Uh, so you just want to double check those kinds of things before you make any big decisions. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, like, you know, ruminants and ruminants do well together, but you have to make sure everybody's getting what they need. Exactly. Um, and that can be really hard uh, in that combination. So, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. What about, like, having multiple animals on a pasture? Um, well, pasturing multiple animals together is a really good idea because, like Sam had mentioned earlier, different species use pasture differently. So, you know, like goats and cows are a really great combination because they graze it differently. So they use it differently, which can actually help improve your pasture health, which is super awesome. But there are definitely some things that you'll want to keep in mind when you're mixing species on a pasture. And the number one is fence. Hey, <laughs> I feel like I'm being called out here too. 
<laughs> I mean, fencing is tricky. And um, the rule of thumb, though, is you want the fence to uh, be suitable for the trickiest animal. So in our combination um, situations, it's goats. Goats are notorious for not wanting to stay in fence. So, you know, like a simple one or three wire setup that would work for a cow goats would just walk right through that without blinking an eye. So you've got to do the whole, you know, woven or welded wire fencing. Mm-hmm. But then you still need the hot wire for the cow. Yes. As I learned thrice. This year. Right. Actually, it was four times. Um, the fourth time wasn't as bad. But knock on wood. I'm going to knock on wood quietly here so my dog doesn't bark. Um, <laughs> doesn't think you're knocking on the yeah, door. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, some of you have been asking, uh, as of this time of recording, Fancy has been contained for over two months now that oh we gosh, added yay. a top line of hot wire. I still want to add in a couple extra strands just so she doesn't mess with the fence. So, yeah, we probably look like crazy people because we have the 4 by 4 woven wire. I think I said welded earlier. Uh, woven wire. And then we also have hot wire. So it looks like a hot, like one of those really intense prisons. That, like, it's like a Mad Max like, yeah. cow setup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it's, it's working, and she does not like the electric fence. Now, I will say that I have watched the goats put their nose to the top line, and they did not like that either. But goats are way more stubborn, and, you know, they can outmaneuver a couple wires if they absolutely had to, and you didn't have that backup of the four by four woven wire. So definitely fencing is so important. Don't be cheap about it. Don't make my mistakes. (laughs) Chasing your cow down the road is not fun. (laughs) Oh, something else that you'll want to keep in mind is you want to make sure that every animal has access to resources. And like the problem that I've had on my own farm with the donkeys, uh, ganging up on the cow and trying to keep him away from the hay. The dominant animal could possibly um, hoard, you know, like the shade, the food, the water, and the wind breaks. And what ends up happening is those weaker animals get left out, you know, of those Mm -hmm. things. And during inclement weather, that can end up being kind of dangerous, depending on what kind of um, climate you live in. So you'll want to make sure that if you have a multi-species pasture, that there's multiple areas for food, for water, for shade, for windbreak, uh, for spaces to get out of the elements, spaces to graze and find entertainment. And you may have to do some rearranging. Like the first time you put it together, if it fails miserably don't think like ah well crap this is never gonna work like it might just need need a little finagling that's it and lastly a huge plus of multi-species grazing and pasturing is predator control or at least predator inhibition multi-species pastures tend to make coyotes and hawks look for easier places to go find dinner and I think this is pretty true because we've had hawk issues I recently had a hawk attack my ducks which has never happened before and he ripped the heads off of three of them (gasps) no yeah so we heard something while we were eating dinner we heard the chickens and looked outside and didn't see anything but the ducks must were like back out further than the chickens tend to go and he got them. So sorry, that was kind of graphic. But it's just kind of how things happen. Um, and then with the chickens, we lost quite a few over the winter. But the chickens that are with the goats and the cow 
they were left alone. So uh, that kind of makes me wonder if the bigger animals being around, they just decided to, you know, leave them alone. We'll find out. Yeah. I mean, they might have decided it just wasn't worth the hassle to find out whether those big animals were going to be an issue. Exactly. So something that you're going to want to do if you keep multiple species of animals together is you want to evaluate whether or not the group is working well together. And there's a couple of things that you want to look at. Um, And one of them is, are all of the animals happy and healthy? You should see your animals being energetic. They should have shiny hair and coats or good feathering. Um, And they should have healthy appetites and be a good weight. If none of those things are true, there might need to be a change to the setup. And there's always going to be little squabbles. That's totally normal in any kind of herd. But are they minor or are they like really big fights that are stressful if it's causing like an animal to fall behind in growth or they look depressed? It's probably a good idea to remove it from the group or separate the species. And You always want to be evaluating this stuff like from a place of looking at what's best for your animals in your situation. Every farm is different. So what works for both Sam and I might not work for you. Um, Just like what works for you might not end up working on our farm. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really important that you're evaluating things like from a place of what resources and access and setups that are feasible and attainable on your farm. And just remember that raising animals is a constant balance. And when it's going well, it's a beautiful thing. But when it's not going so well, it's stressful for everyone, us included. And to make sure you keep the biology and natural tendencies of your animals as the priority. So spend some time in the field, especially, you know, if you're like in our area in the Midwest and it's getting warmer, go take a chore beer out there with you and just stand there and watch everybody. (laughs) And hopefully (laughs) they don't notice that you're there because if it's my goats, then they start using me as a scratching post if they notice I'm there (laughs) and just keep an eye on things, watch and kind of brainstorm what might need to be improved or celebrate what's going well. Cause it's really important to celebrate the good things in life. And I don't think we do it enough. Yeah. I like that. All right. So that's it for that, which means it's time for we can't even corner. Yay. Yay. Bev, do you have a can't even this week? So I do. I had to just make one up really quick because I realized I forgot (laughs) to plan ahead. I forgot to do my homework. But since we're talking about like multi-species pastures and multi-species grazing, I just wanted to mention something that I felt like was kind of odd and really cool, though, is so since my ducks have had their own dedicated duck house like out in the pasture, Mm -hmm. they have been consistently each laying an egg a day. Like, without fail. Yeah. Which I felt was really awesome. Because when we had our chicken tractor and we were doing that duck herding thing, like, every day, I'd be lucky if I get one egg, like, every other day. And, like, maybe it was just seasonal and maybe this is just a coincidence. But I felt like giving the ducks this, like, safe personal space to lay kind of improved that. So that made me feel good. (laughs) Yeah. So what is your can't even this week? So my can't even, I actually saw this in some of the cow groups that I'm in on Facebook, but it's about this calf that was stolen just days after birth. 
um, off of somebody's farm. And it was actually returned, and they're dubbing it an Easter miracle. So it's kind of a traumatic story, but it has a good ending. Um, But basically what happened was this cow was a little over a week old. But at only two days old, she disappeared. Um, And her owners turned to Facebook for help, and help came um, so they went out to check on the calf and, and her mom, and they couldn't find the calf. And they searched every pasture, every hole, everything, you know, because when it's a calf like that, you're like, oh, maybe it just got in trouble somewhere. But they searched for hours and hours, and then later in the evening, they found tracks leading up to the electric fence. And Aww. that's when they figured that somebody took her. There was a four-wheeler that had pulled up and must have taken her and peeled out, which is just insane to me because, like, uh, a newborn calf is still a pretty big animal. So it's Uh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They posted on a Facebook page just to see if someone could come and check, make sure they didn't have her. She wasn't in their yard. And then the post got over 18,000 shares in, like, 24 hours and she couldn't keep up with her phone she had to leave it on the charger in order to keep charge to it because people were calling her from like arizona and idaho (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) meanwhile um she was calling the stockyards and there was no sign of her then she said on easter morning she was standing there and she saw her in the field and was like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh and my daughter was like mom what And I'm like, I think it's Sandy. And it was. So somebody must have seen the Facebook posts and felt a lot of pressure and they went and put her back. Oh, that's so good. Yes. So the power of social media actually did some good there, which I feel like I'm still seeing a lot of negative crap on social media. So when I see social media do something helpful, it makes me really happy. Um, So I'm so glad that Sandy, the little calf, which is so cute. I think it's a little Highland. It's really stinking cute definitely made my heart warm and it also reminded me like we all have to be extra careful and vigilant because there are bad people out there that do shitty things so make sure you know your stuff's as secure as it can possibly be obviously if somebody wants to like break into your shit they're gonna find a way to do it but it's a good reminder just to be vigilant when you can i mean if you have a huge setup there's no way you can monitor it all the time but it's a good reminder. Well, I'm glad that it ended up having a happy yes, ending. Yes, me good. too. Especially with a baby that young, like two days. Like, whew. Yeah. Man, oh you have gosh. to know what you're doing to take care of a calf that's two days old. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so send us your can't evens in the Facebook group via Facebook Messenger, Instagram, or email them to us at drinkfarm at gmail.com. And be sure and leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts because we read one review a week on the podcast. And we put all of those people into a drawing for an exclusive coffee mug that is not and will never be in the shop. Bev, what does this week's review say? All right. This week's review is from at Rented Homestead CA on Instagram. And she says, farm friends I didn't know I needed. I've been listening to DNF for a while now, and the podcast and Facebook group have been a lifesaver to share the chaos that happens around our farms with people who actually get it. 
It's also allowed me to virtually meet so many amazing, inspiring women who encourage each other on the hard days, help you laugh it off when it gets to be almost too much, and never act like the IG perfect farm is how it always is. Bev and Sam have created a fantastic community of people many of us are eternally grateful for, and thank you for keeping it real. Cheers to many more years of drinking and farming. Yay! Oh, I love that review so much. It's such a good one. Yeah, and we do seriously, like, send each other text messages. <laughs> when you guys review those, I think Bev put one of them in, the, in our Instagram story um, because we send gifts back and forth and, like, we internally or maybe even sometimes externally do a little happy dance. So we appreciate <laughs> yeah. you guys taking the time to do that. Yes, we certainly do. So just a few housekeeping items. If you're listening, hit the subscribe button and download the episode if you haven't already. This helps more people like you find us. And share this episode over on Instagram in your stories and tag us. We're at Drink and Farm. We'll give you a promo code just for that episode that'll give you a percentage off in your shop. Make sure you take a look at the show notes to find links to the articles we discussed, a survey to tell us how we're doing anonymously, all of our social media goodness, and our merch shop. So that's it, guys. That's it. We hope you learned things about commingling your animals and learn from our mistakes. Basically, just, like, don't put ducks and geese in with anything else. I think that's the moral <laughs> of this story. <laughs> I mean, or if you are going to, just have a shit ton of waters. <laughs> yes. Great hoses. That's what you need. <laughs> Long hoses that work during all seasons. Yes. <laughs> All right, so until next time, drink, farm, and give zero plus. Bye, guys. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things.